in our hearts the reality that we are not owners we are stewards that changes the game that's where we begin with good biblical ingredients to live a life that honors God but right as we begin where our culture begins with I am an owner it is mine I do what I want to do because I only live once or I deserve this whatever our generational reasoning is right as you begin with I'm an owner you're going to miss out on all that God has for you The world tells us that what we have is ours, that we own things, time, and talents. According to the Bible, however, this just isn't true. Pastor Daniel today reminds us that all we have has been given to us by God to take care of for Him. Everything and everyone belongs to Him, and He gives and takes away as He sees necessary. If we begin to view our lives as being caretakers of God's items, we will begin to see them in new and God-honoring light. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Time, Talents, and Treasures. So we've entitled today's message, Time, Talents, and Treasures. So it's kind of nice if you like alliteration. There's three T's, so it, it rolls nice. Our ears enjoy it. Time, talent, and treasures. And as I thought about this, our time, our talents, and our treasures, what I realized is that this all, these concepts, our time, our talents, and our treasures, is really about one thing. It's what the Bible calls stewardship. That's the biblical word for it. It's the word stewardship. Now, when we think about stewardship, and if you spend any time in church, stewardship at this point has been kind of relegated to just talking about finances. So it's like everything's stewardship. And if you like Dave Ramsey or, you know, Larry Burkett before him, it's like there's whole ministries just about stewardship. But the reality is, is that stewardship is not just about finances. When God created Adam, right away, God gave Adam a stewardship. He gave him a stewardship. And so I want to really spend today, as we look at times, talents, and treasures, speaking about stewardship. So from the beginning, we have to realize this, that we are stewards and not owners. We are stewards and not owners. Now, a steward is one who manages the affairs of another. The steward is not the owner. The steward is the operator. So a steward administers and manages somebody else's affairs. So if we realize that we are stewards and not owners, this is a watershed. And the reason it's a watershed is because we live in 21st century America. And in 21st century America, it's all about ownership, isn't it? I mean, from top to bottom... Our country is founded on the idea of ownership. And so it's mine. I own it. For those of you who are young, you guys are hearing a lot about YOLO, right? You only live once. YOLO. You know, you older people are like, yeah, we, we've heard of this stuff. But do you know what the problem with YOLO is? 
YOLO is a young person's attempt to say, I only live once, I'm going to do whatever I want. My life is my own. And so from the oldest person in here to the youngest person in here, we have bought into a cultural belief that we are owners. But our Bible tells a different story. So no matter how old you are, the reality is none of us are owners. We are stewards. And the only thing you and I get to own is our stewardship. The reality that everything we have, the breath in our lungs, the abilities, the talents, all of these things are actually God's. And he entrusts them to us. And we are responsible for how we administer what is his. And that is the fundamental difference between just being a 21st century American and being a Christian. Because Christianity teaches that my life is not my own, that I was bought at a price. American culture says you are your own, do what you will. And it's important that we get this firmly in place because as we all know, wherever your starting point orients the final outcome. If you start in the wrong place, you are definitely going to end up in the wrong place. I'll give you an example of this. I remember when I went to college. Now, I grew up in an all-Italian family in the Northeast. And when you grow up in an all-Italian family, what that means is that you are surrounded by good food. That's what it means. And so my mom, Christine, my grandma, Anita, I mean, these gals could cook. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And so when you go to college, they talk about the freshman 15. Have you ever heard of that? It's like when someone goes to college, they gain 15 pounds in their first semester. And so at that time, when I was going to college, I don't know how, but I was really thin. And I thought to myself, it'd be good to gain the freshman 15. But then when I got to college, I started losing weight. Because the cafeteria food did not hold a candle to the stuff that I was used to. I became a vegetarian my first semester in college because I just, the meat was just like, ugh. It's like, it wasn't meat. I don't know what it was. It just wasn't meat. It was not good. And I remember that I went home my first semester and I would kind of gotten skinnier. And my mom was like, you're supposed to gain the freshman 15. What's going on? I'm like, oh, I can't even eat that food. I remember sitting down with my grandma and being like, Grandma, you need to teach me how to make sauce. Why? Because when you're all Italian, everything tastes better in sauce. I mean, let's, you can put tomato sauce on anything and it tastes good, you know? And so my grandma, you know, as sweet as she is, all five feet of her, you know. And so she sat down and she started explaining to me. You know a good Italian grandma, she doesn't have a recipe book, you know. She's a little of this and a little of that and everything tastes perfect, you know. But I remember talking to her and she said, you know, Danny, she says, it's really important. You want to make a good sauce, you have to begin with some good ingredients. That's some wisdom, isn't it? If you want a good sauce, you got to begin with good ingredients. And then she'd always say, and you know, the really the key is you just got to put a lot of love in there. Got a lot of love in there. Why do I bring this up? Because if as people who believe in Jesus, who put their faith and trust in Jesus, if we can get in our hearts the reality that we are not owners, we are stewards, that changes the game. That's where we begin with good biblical ingredients to live a life that honors God. But right as we begin where our culture begins with, I am an owner, it is mine. I do what I want to do because I only live once or I deserve this. Whatever our generational reasoning is, right as you begin with, I'm an owner, you're going to miss out on all that God has for you. 
We are stewards and not owners. We administer and manage God's affairs. It's not our own. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul says this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one is found faithful. So if we are stewards, the key is that we be found faithful. We know Jesus said a faithful man who can find him. So God's heart for you and I is that we be faithful stewards, that we administer whatever it is he has placed into our care, that we do it with faithfulness. And so we're going to look at our time, our talents, and our treasures through the lens of faithful stewardship. The faithful stewardship of our time, the faithful stewardship of our talents, and then the faithful stewardship of our treasures. So as we come to time, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we begin with this idea. A faithful steward walks well knowing the time is short. A faithful steward walks well knowing the time is short. I get this idea of knowing that the time is short, primarily from Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Paul here in Ephesians 5, 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So what this means is that if God holds us responsible or accountable for the way we administer his giftings in our lives, time is a precious commodity. And we need to redeem the time. That word redemption, that's a very pregnant biblical word, which means to buy back. And the reality is, is that God asks each one of us to buy back the time that he has given us from futility. And let's be honest, for so many of us, we are wasting a lot of time. I'm so impressed with Pastor Bill. I mean, Pastor Bill, he's in the process of transitioning the pastor of this church, not so that he can go right off into the sunset and goof off for the rest of his life. But no, he's like, look, I don't believe in retirement. I believe in pro-retirement. I believe that the days are short. There's not a lot of time and there's some work to be done. And so many of us have not redeemed the time, have not said, look, there is important things going on in the world today that I need to be a part of. You know, sometimes if a football team has a huge lead in the fourth quarter, what do they do? It's called mop-up time. They just put in the second and third stringers and they just kind of ride the clock out. Because like, in effect, the game's over, but there's still time. And guess what? That may be true for football, but that is not true for your life and my life. There is no such thing as mop-up time. There's no such thing as I'm just biding my time. That is not a biblical concept. Because our time is precious to God. He wants us to redeem the time. He wants us to buy back the time, to take it back from the futility 
of what is so common for us, wasting time. You know, I'm impressed. Pastor Bill, looking at this next chapter of his life, this next step of his life and saying, I'm going to grab hold of what God has for me. What's interesting is I know a lot of younger people wasting time. I mean, let's be honest. So many young men spend more time playing World of Warcraft than they do anything else in life. And guess what, young men? God did not create you so that you can have a high score on a video game. I'm not saying that video games are bad either. I don't want you to think that, that I'm demeaning. Because listen, some young guys, they spend all day playing video games. Other people spend all day watching sitcoms. Some people spend all day running on a treadmill at a gym. Now, I can't fathom why they'd want to do that either. (laughs) But the reality is, is God has given us the opportunity for leisure. But when leisure becomes a lifestyle, that's a problem. When leisure becomes a lifestyle, then we have a problem. And our time is precious. We need to redeem the time. We need to grab hold of the stewardship of our lives to be about God's work in this world. So a faithful steward walks well knowing that the time is short. Nobody knows how much time we have left here. This afternoon is not promised to any of us. And we need to live our lives as dead people. Without leaving anything open-ended. Closing things up. Getting things accomplished for the glory of God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul comes back to this idea of walking three different times. So I want to break those down for you because a faithful steward walks well knowing that the time is short. So I want to break those down. So let's look at these three places that the Apostle Paul encourages us to walk. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So first, we are told to walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering. So one of the ways a faithful steward walks well is by walking in love. And this is like my one string guitar as a pastor. You cannot be a Christian and not be obsessed with self-sacrificial love. That is the gospel. The greatest of these is love. As I've said it before, I'll say it again. Loving people the way God loves people is hands down the hardest thing in the world. It is so much easier to dislike people. It is so much easier to judge people than it is to be like God, be an imitator of God, inspired by the Spirit to say, this person is unlovable, but God loves me as I am unlovable, so I am going to love them. So a faithful steward walks in love. We need to do battle for love. We need to say, God, I need your help because it's really easy not to love an unlovable creation. It's so easy not to love people. There's so many good reasons not to love people and yet be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then Jesus' long-suffering love is absolutely lavished upon you as it is upon me. Because we are infinitely unlovable. 
I mean, we are all pretty grumpy a lot of the time. We're fickle with the Lord, but yet he still loves us. He never discards us, never gets rid of us. When we make another one of the multitude of boneheaded mistakes that we make, he doesn't discard us and chide us, but yet he draws us close to himself. And he explains the way the world works. And he teaches us all the mistakes that we're making. And yet he still loves us. And we are called, if we're going to be faithful stewards of our time, to walk in love just the way Jesus has loved us. We need to love the world in its brokenness. So first we walk in love. Second, look at verses 8 to 11. Still in Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Not only are we called to walk in love, but now we are called to walk in light. We are called to be the reflectors of the light and glory of Jesus in the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. And you and I, we are called to be mirrors of the light of Jesus in the world. And let's be honest, living day to day as we do, it's so easy for that mirror to get pretty dirty, isn't it? You know, every time I think about a dirty mirror, I think about that season of my life before I was married, when I lived with my friends in what is most commonly called a bachelor pad. It was me and a couple of buddies of mine. I mean, and we were such bachelors. One of the guys had a poster of like a Salvador Dali, you know, the artist. But I mean, of course it wasn't in a frame because that wouldn't just be a guy thing to do. You're not going to spend money on a frame. And we didn't have a lot of thumbtacks either. So there was just two thumbtacks on the top of it. And the bottom just kind of hung down. And of course we had a little cat whose name was Obi. And Cat was a kitten. That thing, would, when the air conditioning was on, that thing would sway back and forth and Obi would swat at it. So sure enough, the Salvador Dali with the two thumbtacks had half the poster was missing. <laughs> Bachelor pad. I remember we had friends who were girls that'd come on over and they'd buy us a picture because they're like, you know, this is really pathetic, you guys. So we'd have like two framed pictures in the midst of this bachelor mess. But anyway, have you ever seen a bachelor pad's bathroom? If you ever believed in ungodliness, just go into a bachelor pad's bathroom. It's just nasty. Because no one's going to take the, you know, what guy's like, we need to clean this mirror. You know, I mean, most guys, they wake up in the morning and go, <clears throat> and then just walk out the door. Or if you're a hipster, you just put on like a woolen cap when it's 100 degrees outside. <laughs> I saw a guy, honestly, 100 degrees, guy's wearing a wool hat. I'm like, Beauty knows no pain, no pain. <laughs> I started sweating just looking at this guy, man. It's like, wow. Anyway, I digress. But when you live in a bachelor pad, as I did, that mirror in the bathroom is nasty. And when you need to shave, you know what I mean? You had to like kind of clean off like a little corner just to get a good shave in there. That's gross, right? Some of you guys are like, okay, Pastor Dan, can we move on from the analogy? But the reality is, is that some of our lives are like that bachelor pad mirror. There's just so much gunk on there over time. Maybe it's not like a big mess, but little by little gunk gets on there. And after a while, when you have a bunch of gunk on a mirror, it reflects, but that reflection is all distorted, right? It looks like those filters on your computer. You take a picture, you can put the filter, it's all crooked. A lot of our hearts are mirrors that need to be cleansed again. 
Not because we don't believe in Jesus Christ, but because we do believe in Jesus Christ. But the wages of life, the things that go on, the good, the bad, the ugly, the mishaps, it ends up caking on that mirror. And instead of walking in light and reflecting the light of Jesus in the world, we reflect this distorted version of Jesus. This kind of half Jesus. This American Jesus. This kind of mostly me and a veneer of Jesus. But God has called us to simply reflect the light of Jesus in the world. And for some of us, and I was doing this this morning, like, Lord, will you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and just do some holy windexing on my heart? You know, maybe for some of us, God's got to take out the Brillo pad and just get all that goop off there. But we need to come to Jesus again and say, God, I have gotten soiled a little bit by life or a lot. And will you just come as a father and just clean me off so that I can walk in light as you are the light. So we walk in love, we walk in light. Now look at verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to walk circumspectly. That's an old word that means to walk carefully. The greatest word picture I can give to you about what it means to walk circumspectly would be this. If you go to your house and all the lights are off, you can find your way around the house, right? You've been walking in that house a lot of times. You know where everything sits. You don't necessarily need to turn the light on because you just kind of know where everything sits. Unless, of course, you have kids. And then all bets are off because you never know when you're going to step on a Hot Wheels like I did this morning. You know, you're just like, ow, Hot Wheels on the bare feet are not fun. That's not walking circumspectly. Just the way you walk through your house in the dark, you kind of know where everything is. Imagine if you were walking through a minefield in a war zone. Do you walk the same way? No. You realize that every step, eternity is on the line. Every move that you make could be your last one. That's the picture of walking circumspectly. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We are not called by God in this day and age to be nonchalant about our lives. To just walk kind of be like, oh, no big deal. It's going to be great. No, we are called to walk circumspectly. Being careful. Being careful. So a faithful steward will walk in love, will walk in light, and will walk carefully in this world. Because the time is short. Now, as we move to talents, a faithful steward realizes God's gifts and invests them. A faithful steward realizes God's gifts and invests them. The first realization, as I said earlier, is that we have been entrusted with talents by God. The gifts are not our own. They are his. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? That rhetorical question, and what do you have that you did not receive? Jesus is... In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminded us that we are not the owners of anything on this earth. Everything and everyone belongs to God. 
we've been given the privilege of taking care of God's possessions, cultivating them in a way that's pleasing to Him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Life can be crazy busy at times. I don't know about you, I can go through the whole day blowing through my calendar and by the end I can think, where did the time go? Did I even spend it well or wisely? Did I pause and take a few moments to reflect on how good God is and how amazing His love is and to pray for those in my life and those around me in the world? Well, I found something that helps me remember. I wear a real leather bracelet all throughout the day. That bracelet catches my eyes and it's a constant reminder of what God is doing in my life and in the world around me. Every time I wear the real bracelet, I'm prompted to pray and to give thanks. And I want to make this bracelet available to you as well. Here's Josh with some more information about how you can get your very own real bracelet. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Right now, you can help support Jesus' Real Radio and receive a tool that will help you remember the important things. A craftsman at Crossroads Community Church handmade leather bracelets with the word real on them. Like Pastor Daniel, when you wear your real bracelets, you'll have a constant reminder to pray and give thanks. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more, we will send you your very own real bracelet as a way to say thanks. Remember, your support helps us to do what we do here at Jesus is Real Radio. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to join the team and receive your thank you gift. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel discusses how our talents and treasures should reflect our relationship with Jesus. Our heavenly treasure is multiplied as we use our God-given earthly talents to further his kingdom. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled, Really? That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus